Let's give the Lord a good hand clap of praise. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's give him a good hand clap of praise. We love you, God. Oh, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Amen, amen. Hasn't he been good? Amen. David said he daily loads us with benefits. Amen. Anybody feel benefited today? Amen. 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 And what an honor to be here. I'm, I'm, I'm so thankful it worked out. And, and, uh, and what a beautiful sanctuary. Um, I, was out of, I was out of town when you had your anniversary service. I had made plans to come, but, uh, but man, it's such a beautiful place. And uh, I'm so thankful for what God is doing uh, in this sanctuary. Amen. Amen. Did you come to have church today? Amen. 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 I hope, I hope, uh, I hope you come to help me. Amen. And, and uh, preach what, uh, preach with me and preach what the Lord laid on my heart. Uh, now I know the position I'm in. I'm, I'm standing between you and lunch. So, uh, I can, I can either help you or hurt you. So uh, I want to help you. Amen. <laughs> I want you to be, uh, to be happy, and, and, uh, but I, I do feel God gave me a specific word for this service today, and, uh, and if you'll help me, I, 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 preach, I preach better and, and, and faster if you help me, amen. If you don't, I'll, I, I, can just, I can just open up and start in Genesis 1, and we can go on, you know, so <laughs> all right, all right, all right, but I uh, appreciate the goodness of the Lord, appreciate the Samson family. Amen. I love the spirit of the Lord that I feel in this place. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Sister Sampson, for leading, leading the worship. Amen. I, I, love, I love the old songs. Uh, and and I'm, I'm, some of the new songs, they're all right. We, we call them 7-Eleven songs. They're seven words repeated 11 times. Amen. But uh, those old songs are, are really good. Amen. I appreciate the old songs. It's amazing, Sister Sampson, how, how you cannot hear something for a long time, but every one of the verses just come right out. Amen. And, and I'm, thankful for, I'm thankful for the old paths. Amen. Wherein is the good way. Amen. I'm just thankful for truth. Amen. If you got your Bibles, turn with me to uh, Luke chapter 15. We're going to start reading in verse 20, or verse 11, I'm sorry. Verse 11 of chapter 15 of the Gospel of Luke. Gospel meaning good news. And uh, I've got good news today. Amen. Amen. Verse 11, and he said, a certain man had two sons. None of the sons or the fathers named in this story. He just said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said, to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them. Everybody say them. He divided unto them his living. So he gave them their portion. Amen. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all the t together and took his journey to a far country. And there wasted his substance with riotous living. Thank you, sir. And when... He had spent all. Everybody said he spent all. There arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want. 
And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him to him to his fields to feed swine. And he would have fain filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's house have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And the first part of verse 20 is where I'll stop. And he arose and came to his father. Let's put down our Bibles, lift up our hands, ask God to talk to us today. Lord, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for your people, God. I'm asking, Lord, that you would talk to us today. God, I need your anointing, Lord. Your word already is anointed, God, but I need your anointing to touch me, Lord. Speak to your people right now, God. Let me be used of you, Lord. Flow through me, God. Help your people today. Encourage them, Lord. Strengthen them right now, God. We thank you for this opportunity. We give you all the praise and honor. We love you. We trust you. We believe you, God. Have your way. Everybody said in Jesus' name. One more good hand clap of praise before you're seated. Amen, amen. You can be seated today. Amen. There's a quote that says it's in our destiny and where our destiny is determined in our moments of decision. Our destiny is determined in our moments of decision. He says, give me my inheritance. And I had you repeat it. He divided unto them his living. Can I, can I talk to a, a, a person here and, and ex explain to you something? You don't have to leave the father's house to get your inheritance. Amen. I said he gave unto them. Amen. You don't have to leave the father's house. You don't have to go out there and taste the world. You don't have to go out there and partake of the things. You don't have to lose anything. You can stay right here in the house of God and get everything God has for you. Amen? Amen? But I don't know what possessed the younger son to think he had to uh, receive in his inheritance now. It doesn't appear any friends or acquaintance was, was uh, convincing him. So without uh, seemingly a reason he feels it's best to get what coming to him right now. And it was just a few days, the Bible says, with his inheritance in hand, he decides to walk away. He decides to leave the Father's house. Amen. Nothing out there can compare to what's in the Father's house. Amen. I want to tell every young person this morning, every mom, every dad, every husband, every wife, Every widow, every grandmother, grandfather, amen, keep staying in the church, amen. You don't have to leave the church, amen. Stay faithful, stay committed, 
Amen. Being that is just as impactful as it is of picking somebody off a of skid row and bringing them home. I'm telling you here today, I, I, I don't have a testimony of being rescued from drugs. I don't have a testimony of God bringing me out of the miry clay. I was raised on a pew, Brother Sampson. I, I, I've always been in church. I, have I messed up? Yes, I messed up. I've made plenty of mistakes, Sister Sampson. But one day I was talking and praying, saying, God, I don't have a testimony of how you can pick up a, a dirty, filthy life and, and, and rid them of addiction and shame. And so I don't have that testimony, God. I mean, well, how am I supposed to help somebody like that? How am I supposed to talk somebody like that and about that? And God spoke to me so clear, Sister Sampson. He said, was it easier for me to pull you out of it or keep you from it? I'm here to tell somebody, you don't have to leave the Father's house to have a testimony of the faithfulness of the grace and the mercy and the kindness of God. You can stay in the house and have a testimony that the world looks at and says, that's what I want to be. Amen. But despite the benefits of staying in the Father's house, he's drawn to go to a place he's never been. See, the devil always tempts, uh, tempts you with the thought and tries to devalue your inheritance. To Eve, it was knowledge. To Esau, it was a bowl of soup. To Judas, it was 30 pieces of silver. He'll try to convince you that there's something more valuable far away from the Father's house, that you're somehow restricted, that you're somehow... Uh, you're, 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 you're disadvantaged by being the Father's house. Hear, hear this preacher this morning. Don't ever lose the value of God choosing you. Don't allow the devil to make you feel just because, amen, life may have a rough spot in the Father's house that there's something better out there. Don't ever let him convince you that you, 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 you have to go out there and, 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 and do something to show uh, just how great God is. Amen. But he is so subtle. He'll convince you it's better out there. There's no rules. There's no boundaries. There's no limitations. And so a young boy with a full wallet, amen, goes and he's persuaded to walk away. I'm convinced, Brother Samson, there's too many of our young people, amen, that were just dumped on the responsibility of their inheritance, uh, amen, without any training, and they get all full uh, of, of desire, and, and they get all full of uh, maybe money or responsibility, and their life is wasted, they're wasted substance, or they ruin things because prematurely they were dumped with a lot of responsibility, amen. I'm, I'm careful, I'm very careful with how I raise my kids because I don't want to, I don't want to live vicariously through them. I don't want to do anything to discourage them. I don't want to do anything to make them feel pressured by their dad to be a preacher or whatever. But I want them to get their own relationship. I want them to get their own idea of what God is and let them know you don't have to leave. You don't have to, you don't have to go away. You, you can stay right here. Take all the time you need. But he felt like he needed to leave. And he wasted his substance. Listen to me. If your pastor tells you you're not ready yet, that's not an insult. If he says you're not ready yet, that's not an insult. He's protecting you from squandering your inheritance. 
He says, you know, go, go stay around here, young man. I feel a call to preach. That's all right. Go clean the bathroom. Go clean the church. Go help around. Go mow the grass. Oh, that's not right. That's not fair, Pastor. I, I've got a call. No, he's trying to keep you from squandering your inheritance. Because too much responsibility will, will, and too soon will cause a waste. Amen. Verse 13 says he goes into a far country. He walks out. He leaves the father's house. It's amazing the lengths some people will go to to distance themselves from the father's house. I'm going to preach. I didn't give you a title. I'm sorry, but... I want to preach while you're waiting. And I got to get through the, the prodigal before I get to really my message. He'll, 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 he'll cause you to go away and you'll want to distance yourself. Jonah went to, a, he went down to Joppa. He, he, he tried to escape the presence of God. The further you get away from the Father's house, the less conviction works on you. And so by verse 14, he's wasted all his substance. He spent it all, the Bible says. Everybody say, he spent it all. I'm here to talk to a mom and daddy today who's been worried about your baby that they haven't came home yet. Let me talk to you because the reason they haven't came home yet because they haven't spent it all yet. I said, the reason they haven't came home yet, they haven't spent it all yet, but you be encouraged this morning. After they spent it all, the Bible says, after the waste is over, that there was a hunger, there was a famine in the land, and, and want began to replace the desire for worldly pleasures. Let me tell you, mom and daddy that's praying for their baby, trying to see if they're ever going to, you're trying your best to have the faith that they'll ever come home. I'm here to tell you right now, once, once they spend it all, amen, that hunger, that hunger starts being birthed inside of them. There's a want that says, wait a minute, what am I doing here? I know it's hard right now to see them throwing their life away. I understand you're bound by guilt and shame and accusing your own self of saying I did something wrong, but while they're out there, while they're wasting their substance, you understand something. They'll come home when, 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 when want and hunger starts replacing the desire for worldly pleasure when want and hunger starts birthing inside of them they'll remember home he said wait a minute I want to go home I've seen I've seen I've seen many people get so frustrated at their lost children and I just simply tell them they're not through spending it all yet because the Bible says if we train up a child in the way they should go. When they're old, when they spend it all, they won't depart from it. There's something inside of them that says, I want to go home. And what we do is we prepare for the journey home. The Bible says after he came to himself, after the hangover, after the high had left, he starts to remember home. Those seeds you planted one day are going to produce. 
what you put in them, one of these days there's going to be a spending of it all and all of a sudden that want and hunger starts coming back again. He said, he said when the famine arrived, it was only after he had spent it all. I'm telling somebody again, amen, you don't see any light at the end of your tunnel. You don't see, it's hard to see your baby coming home, but trust the word of God. It will not return unto him void, but it will accomplish that which it was sent out to do. There's going to be a hunger start being birthed in that baby. Amen. Those those memories are going to come back to their mind of the Father's house, and they will, they will make their way home. Verse 18 and 19, I will arise and go to my Father. But while you're waiting, before verse 20 happens, what are you doing? As one preacher said, in the white spaces of your life. The days, the months, even years can pass between verses. So what's done in between is equally as important. Did you hear me? We can read scripture and there's a space or a chapter and think it's just a continual, non, uh, just a continual story. But there's often months and years between chapters and verses. One verse of talking about the little widow, the, 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 the Shunammite woman that, that didn't have a son. The Bible says in one verse, she's promised a baby. In the next verse, she has a baby. So nine months at least transpired just in two verses. So it's what we do between the verses. It's what we do while we're waiting that, that, that determines what kind of homecoming we're going to have. I believe revival is going to fill this place. I believe there's harvest and hungry souls. I believe there's backslidden children that are going to hear the clarion call to come home very soon. This world is getting crazy. This world is getting darker. But there is an apostolic lighthouse in the Osho, Missouri that's going to ever shine so brightly. Amen. We got to be doing what we need to be doing while we're waiting. While we're waiting for that moment. What are we doing? There are four things listed that reveal the heartbeat of the Father toward his wayward son. If you'll allow me the time, I'll talk to you a little bit about those four items. The first, the Bible says that there was a robe. We'll get to the encounter between the Father and the Son in a little bit, but the Bible says there was a robe. The robe or or garments identified who you were. Hear me now. The father knew that the robe the son left with would be now tattered, filthy, or missing altogether. The new robe represented a new identity. But it wasn't just any robe. Pastor Sampson, the Bible says, the father said, bring me the best robe. While the prodigal was out in the world, while he was running crazy and shaming his father's name, instead of the father getting up and being disgusted and angry and mad, 
he began, once he saw that shadow go, that figure pass out of his eyesight, uh, he began the preparation for that return trip home. And the father understood, first of all, when he comes down that dusty road, no matter how long it is, uh, I know that what he went out of here with uh, is not going to be the same condition when he comes home. And, and so... So it's important, church. I'm here to help you, church. It's important that when they're coming down that road back home that we have a robe prepared for them. A robe that says, look, I understand you messed up. I understand you made a mistake. I understand you shamed my name. I understand you got scars and baggage and damage all around you. But I'm here to tell you, I want you to understand when you get here, you're still my baby. You're still got an identity. You still got a covering. You still got a purpose. You still got something worth wearing. So he says, bring me the best robe. He sees that boy go over the horizon. And the father makes a trip down to the tailor shop. And he says, I know what my baby I know his sizes. He's, he, he's gone away right now. And I, I'm going to make sure when he comes home, I got something that's going to fit him nice. He said, bring me the best robe. He goes to the, the tailor shop. And he says, give me your finest material. Oh, I, I feel the Holy Ghost. He said, give me the best material. He said, the best robe. He said, I know when he comes home, he's going to feel a lot of guilt and shame, so I'm going to clothe him with the best i got to offer. God forbid that when sinners and backsliders come in, they think we're going to clothe them with shame and condemnation. Listen, you don't have to tell a sinner they're a sinner. They know they're a sinner. What you got to tell them is there's a father that's got something best prepared for them. And you might have messed up, but I'm going to clothe you with something that shows you are worthy. You're worthy to be my child. You're worthy to bear my name. And he walked in and he said, I need the best material you've got. I got his sizes. I got his dimensions. He may be a little weaker. He may be a little slimmer. I don't know what he's going to look like when he comes home. But when he gets here, I want to provide him with the very best you got. And we should do the same. Oh, when they come in. Oh, God, when they come in. I was in a service one time, and there was a there was a, a, a I hate to say it like this. He was just a habitual backslider, brother. He he was always in and out of church, and he walked in service one day, and I was sitting by someone that said, "I hate that man. He's always in and out of church." And I, brother, I, I had the same kind of look on my face. I spun around. I said, "What?" I said, "He's home." 
don't, we don't ever need to lose the fact that they're home. Yeah, they may stink. They may have shame and baggage and damage and all kinds of stuff. But when they come into the Father's house, I've got the best prepared for them. I've got something that shows they're worthy. They don't need to know what, what they've done every time they come into the Father's house. He said, let's give them the best robe. I want them the best robe. I want, I, I, according to scripture, purple was royalty, right? So maybe, I don't know. Maybe he found some nice purple silk. He said, oh yeah, that's the one. Oh, I've got a designer. I got a cheap, I got a cheap, I got a cheap entry-level price over here, Father. No, you don't understand. When he comes home, he's not going to feel like he's worth anything. When he comes home, he's going to have all kinds of issues. He's going to have all kinds of problems. He's going to have all kinds of temptations. He's going to have all kinds of friends calling him up and say, what are you doing back home? And he's going to need to know that I have accepted him with the very best I have to offer. I'm telling you, when they walk in, they ought to feel us wrap our arms around them saying, my boy, he was lost, but now he's found. Give me the best robe. Give me everything you've got to make him feel loved and accepted after he gets the best robe he looks at his hand on his hand was a ring that represented authority it was a signet ring it wasn't I mean, it, times are different back then. You don't have, I don't have to tell you about holding the standards. We know that. Times are different back then. And that ring, they'd take that hot wax and put it on an envelope or a scroll or something, and they'd press that ring in there. It would have the family crest or have some kind of signet in there identifying, identifying, identifying who he was. And so the father said, I want the best robe. I don't want to make sure I got a ring for him. I want to make sure that when he gets here, he still has every bit of authority he had when he left. God forbid we, 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 we put people on probation when God's already given them. Grace and mercy. I'm not talking about just, you, there's a process, I understand that. There's, there's, there's repentance that's got to take place. But the father understood when he gets home and he gets restored, he's got to have some authority. When he gets back into my house, he's got to have my authority on him. 
if we're not careful, we'll allow people that come in with all kinds of scars and think they'll get up there and they'll, 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 they'll shout and have a, have a good time and their zeal will get a hold of them and they'll want to be involved and they'll want to do different things here and there. And, and, and us as saints of God, if we're not careful, we'll put limitations and restrictions. I'm going to listen. Everything rises under and falls under the leadership. We're not going to usurp authority over your pastor. Absolutely. Whatever he sees fit, that's great. But I'm telling you, if we're not careful, we'll label somebody and say, well, they're not ready for this. They're not ready for that. Listen, let me tell you something. God in about 30 seconds can do more than we can do in three years. God can take addiction and drive it right out of there. Who are we to say you're not worthy? Who are we to say you don't have any authority or power? Don't pray over me. I know what kind of I know what kind of shame you don't don't do that. No, no, no. No. He got immediate authority back. We're not careful. We'll, we'll, we'll kill people spiritually. We'll kill them before they even, they even have a chance to get going. But the father said, make sure he's got my authority on him. He said next, he said after the ring, he said, I'm going to have to get him some new shoes. When he comes home, I got to make sure the ability to walk right is restored. When he comes home, I got to make sure he knows the path he was on is not the path he's on now. I got to make sure when he gets here, I got some new shoes for him. Jesus said it this way about the Holy Ghost about growing and maturing. He said you can't put new wine in old bottles. He said if you do it, it's going to bust the bottle. But if you get new wine in new bottles, if you allow the wine skin to grow as the, and stretch as the wine ferments, if you allow that to take place, then they're going to grow together. But if you don't, if you don't, if you just say, well, there's the same old shoes you came here with, uh, we'll just see how you go on through life. No, when they come in and they say, God, I'm sorry, and God fills them with his spirit again and touches them, let's get some new shoes on them and say, hey, buddy, you're going to walk right now. You're going to do things right now. You're not going the direction you were. This is a new path. This is a new direction. This this is a new future for you. You don't have to walk out again. These are new shoes from the Father's house. You can stay right here, boy. You can stay right here. Somebody say, while I'm waiting. While I'm waiting on them to come home, am I making the necessary preparations could it be that too many have not stayed in the house of God because we weren't prepared for their return home I felt this so Tuesday morning I woke up with it brother brother Samson just pounding in my head for this church I, I truly, I didn't come to hype you up or, or say something that you don't feel, that I don't feel is right. But I'm telling you, there's some prodigals coming home. But God wants to make sure you're prepared, mama. 
He wants to make sure you're prepared, Daddy. As hard as it's going to be to bite your tongue, you bite your tongue. And you let God do the work that God can do. For we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Our righteousness is nothing but filthy rags. I'm telling you, this end time revival that God's wanting to pour out to this people, it's got to be one that says, I've got something prepared for you. I know time is running out and I don't have time to sit there and bicker and complain and, and fight with you about why you left or how you did me wrong or how you upset me or how you took advantage of me. No, all things are passed away. And behold, all things are become new. When you get home I'm going to have something prepared for you. The fourth thing he had ready was the fatted calf. I, I, I don't have much experience with cattle other than I eat it. I can tell you how to cook a good steak but I don't know much about it. So I asked a friend one time, I said, how long does it take to fatten a calf? And he said, oh, at least six months. I mean, if you want a good, you want a good one to sell, maybe less than that, I don't know. He said, somewhere around there. Just depends on what you want to do with it. And immediately I said, wait a minute. The father said, bring me the fatted calf. He said, I don't know when he's coming home, but I want to make sure there's a calf ready. I want to make sure when he comes home, I got something to feed him with. I want to make sure when he walks in that I've already made the preparations. I'm here to tell somebody today, amen, they walked out yesterday, you start today, and you say, God, I'm going to prepare for them to come home. I don't know how long they're going to be gone, God, but I want to make sure I got a, I got a fatted calf waiting on them. I, I want to make sure. It may be 12 months. It may be two years. When that fatted calf gets too old, I'll have another one ready. I want to make sure that when they come home, Make sure when they come home, I got, I got a fatted calf. I got something prepared for them. I'm not going to spend time on pre-service prayer, fasting and praying. I think you understand what we got to do. But if they don't feel fed when they get here. I said if they don't feel fed, they're going to come hungry because hunger was in his belly when he spent all he had. You hear me? The hunger replaced the want. And if the father didn't have something ready to feed him, that hungry appetite was going to drive him to some place he shouldn't be. Oh God, when they come into this place and they're hungry and they're thirsty and they need hope and they need peace and they need joy. Oh, let's prepare the fatted calf. I've been waiting on you. I've been waiting for this moment. I've got a prepared meal for you today. got you a fatted calf boy because you're hungry you're hungry 
And I got to be ready to feed you. It's so much pressure on the ministry. We were talking about it last night. I remember growing up, my, my wife's grandfather, Brother Louis Steele. Uh, Y'all know Brother Steele. He loved Brother Triplett and always was going to camp meetings over and over through the years. And I remember growing up feeling the call to preach. I'd lead service and I'd go sit down by Brother Steele and I'd say, Brother Steele, how you doing? Man, it's good service tonight. We just small talk and he'd lean over there to me. He said, how you, how you feeling, Brother Hancock? And I said, oh, I feel good, brother. He said, good, you're about to preach. And the first time he did it, I ran right in the back and I said, oh God. But you know what it did for me? It made me prepared. I don't want to just pull something off of sermons.com. I don't want to just get some fancy catchphrase. But when I go to the house of God, I want to make sure I got a fatted calf ready. Because there's somebody in here that's going to need help. There's somebody in here. I may not preach to everybody today, but I might preach to somebody. And if I got a fatted calf prepared, you're going to feed off of that. And it's going to be exactly what you've been longing for. I'm telling us, we can't just survive off the seat of our pants and just hope we go through the motions and everything works out fine. No, there's preparations when it comes to harvest. There's preparations when it comes to a lost son coming home. There's some time invested. There's some place plans placed there's some things saying, oh, I got to push aside this and that because my baby is going to come home and I've got to be ready. I got to be prepared. But all the preparations of the father were in vain, however, because there was a law. A judgment that waited a son who shamed his family. Deuteronomy 21, 18 to 21 tells us the fate of a rebellious, stubborn, drunkard, and gluttonous son. The elders of the city were to take that child out to the outer gates of the city and stone him to death so that fear would grip the hearts of the, any other child who entertained the same foolish notions. So when the father, here's the last part of it, you got to be looking for them. You got to look for them. Part of his preparations, I do not believe, I do not believe that he just happened to walk out there one day and see his boy coming home. I believe that while the preparations were being made at the house, while, this, while the robe was getting sewn together, while the shoes were getting made, while the calf was growing, the ring was ready, there was a father saying, one of these days, I'm here to tell a mama, be not weary in well-doing. Hear the word of the Lord, be not weary in well-doing. For in due season, there's a due season. You will reap if you faint not. I don't know how long he was gone, but I know there was a father every day saying, this could be the day. Is the calf ready? Do you got a calf ready? Where's the rope? 
Where's the ring? I believe he had a little closet right on the out, right on the, uh, right going out of his house. I believe there's a closet, a little shelf with, with the robe and the ring and the shoes. In the stalls, there were calves getting fed constantly to make sure there's a, but there was a father saying one of these days, I'm looking for him. I'm not. When the father sees him afar off, compassion fills his heart. He runs and falls on him. Why? To cover him from the impending judgment. When we see a sinner come in, do we glance at him? Do we allow our tone to be affected? Or do we look at them saying, I got to protect them. I got to cover them. He said, I, I see him afar off coming home. You know, the Bible talks about the land he went to as a far country. It never talks about the return trip being far. Never, talk, never labels the return trip home far. It's not far to get back to the Father's house. I don't want to make it difficult. I don't want to make it a lengthy trip for somebody. Amen. I, hey, God can set a lot of this stuff that goes on. When they come in, I want to cover them. I said, when they come in, I want to cover them because there's impending judgment coming upon them. They, they don't feel like they're going to be loved. They're going to come. With, they're going to fight so much just to get here. He already had it convinced in his mind the best place, position I have in the house of God, the house of my father, is a hired servant. That's the best thing I have to offer my daddy. Oh, help us be a father that says, oh, no, boy, I got something prepared for you. And when you get home, when there's judgment, when there's shame, when there's condemnation, I'm going to cover you. He falls on him. He falls I know you messed up. I know he's got baggage. I know he's caused shame, but he's still my son. He's still my baby. And I know if I don't get to him first, judgment's going to get to him. Are you hearing me today? If we don't get to him first, there is judgment. I heard a preacher preach, and it's, it's, it's shaped my spirit so much. He said, actually, I didn't even hear it. I, I take that back. I saw the quote. And it, and it, and it's, it is, I, I believe it, that one quote transformed my, my, my ministry and the way I preached because it shook me so much. But I said, preacher, preach every sermon like your son is on the back row giving church one more try. Preach it like it's your baby. Giving church one last try. I said, okay, God. I'll preach. And I'll preach. I'll, listen, I got, I got brothers that are, if God don't do something to them, they're going to be lost. I got friends, family, people, brother-in-law, things that if they don't, if God, so I've got to preach. 
But I can't preach with the, with the spirit of the, the other brother. I can't preach with the arrogance of, well, I never left the father's house. I can't preach with the coldness. I can't. I, why are you doing that, Daddy? He messed up our name. He wasted all the substance. He, he blew it all, God, on harlots and junk and mess. And, and you're preparing him a fatted calf. God forbid that that spirit ever gets a hold of us. But let's keep the mentality of the father that says, listen, I got to protect them. There's judgment coming. And I've got to hold them. I've got to secure them. I've got to wrap my arms around them. The father was willing to take the stones cast toward his son. Did you hear me? The father was willing to cover him and absorb the blows of the stones cast his way. Don't get bitter. Hear me. Don't get bitter. Because they walked out. Don't allow your faith to be frustrated and wonder when they're coming home. Give up on them all together. But while you're waiting, prepare like it's going to be tomorrow. Prepare what you're going to say, what you're going to do. How are you going to hold them? How are you going to shout with them? How are you going to dance with them? Because they're going to feel so much guilt. It's going to take everything they, it's going to take every bit of willpower they have to push open those double doors. And when those doors swing open wide, brother, may some fathers rise up and say, Go get the robe. That's my boy. Go get the robe. That's my baby. You got the calf ready? You got the ring? You got the shoes? They're coming home. They're home. Listen, I know it was hard, but when you get home, you're going to find a father saying, I love you. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to cover you. Let them throw the stones if they want to. The party's going on. The father looks around and says, where's your brother? Moses said a very profound statement one day when given the opportunity. He said, I will not fight my brother. I won't fight my brother. If there's somebody, I don't know why I'm saying this, but if there's somebody that comes home, when somebody comes home, and they did you wrong, or they did you wrong, and you see God touch them, don't leave the party. Don't walk out and leave the party. Don't hold on to that grudge. Don't hold on to that. Come join the party. Because they were dead. But now they're alive. Oh, if we're not careful, if we're not careful, all we'll do while we're waiting is allow the root of bitterness to grow and anger and malice and resentment. And so that's all we have to give them when they come home. And no wonder they... I've seen people, I've seen it, Brother Samson. I've seen it. I've seen people come in under such a cloud of shame and guilt. And one person say something kind of, a little snarky comment. 
And I see the, I see the hope leave. I've seen the joy dissipate. And I don't ever see them come back. When they come here. They're coming, brother, brother Samson. They're coming. They're coming. They're coming. I want to make sure they find a father waiting. I want you to stand with me right now. There's a father in the house this morning. That despite your mistakes, despite the fact that everybody else gave up on you, he's just simply waiting. He's waiting for you to make the move to come home. He's already prepared it. He's already put in, put in his plans. The servants know exactly what to do. When we see him coming home, you bring the robe. You get the ring. You get the shoes. When I sound the alarm, when I make the announcement, fire up, fire up the grill. Let's get ready for a party. Let's get ready. There's a song that says, Mercy said no. I'm not going to let you go. I'm not going to let you slip away. You don't have to be afraid. Because mercy said no. Sin will never take control. Life and death stood face to face. Darkness tried to steal my heart away. Thank you, Jesus. Mercy said no. Oh, can we lift up our hands right now? What are you doing while you're waiting? What are you doing while, while you're waiting? Come on, let's talk to him right now. I've come to encourage the mamas and daddies. If you'll make the preparation, I believe they're coming home. If you'll make sure, listen, if you'll listen to what I'm preaching, it's going to change the way you communicate with that baby. I said, if you'll listen to me, it'll change the way you're communicating to your baby. Stop. Stop telling them how wrong they are. Start telling them how good God is. Start telling them, I've got something prepared for you. I've got something waiting on you, son. They already know. They already know. They, they're under a load. They're in a famine. They're hungry. Make sure when we speak to them, it's the words of a father saying, come on home. Let's lift up our hands as high as we can get them right now.
Come on, let's make some preparations right now. I'm not trying to get on you, ma'am. I'm not trying to get on you, mom and dad. I know you're frustrated because you raised them better. They know better. I'm not trying to beat you up on it. I, I know it can get frustrating. Believe me, I know I've got, I've got, I've got family and friends that I just want to want to tell them how wrong they are. I want to tell them how bad they're doing, but. If I'm not careful, I'll push. They won't ever feel like they can come home. They won't ever feel like there's a place home. They won't ever feel like they're going to be accepted. And that prodigal said, I may just end up being a servant, but I know daddy's got some place for me. I may not ever be a son again, but I know he I know he he's got some place for me. Come on, I want you to come and pray. Come on, let's pray right now. Let's talk to the Lord right now. Come on, I believe there's some prodigals that are thinking real hard and heavy this morning. I want to go home, but what's waiting on me? Darkness trying to steal my heart away. I want to come home, but But thank you, Jesus. Which one's going to meet me there? Mercy said no. I want to come home, but what's going to be the response? I'm not going to let you go. I got a lot of baggage. I got a lot of shame. I got a lot of pain. What are they going to say? Come on, let's love him right now. Let's love him right now. Come on, Father. Let compassion fill your heart again for your son. Mama, I know that girl's not doing right. I know, I know. Love them anyway. Give them hope anyway. Send them a reminder God is good. Oh, come on, let's talk to him. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's praise him right now. Let's praise him right now.